Labyrinths is brought to you by Knox Robinson Productions. Please consider becoming a patron. For as little as $5 a month, you can listen to Labyrinths ad-free. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson to learn more. They came in the night, kicking in the door, and they took you, two faceless agents, And I couldn't even scream, though my head was pounding. Don't say anything. Say nothing without a lawyer. And I could hear you fighting them until I couldn't. And it was as quiet as before I met you. As quiet as my cell, which was in fact clanging and blaring with Italian soaps and violently ill women. I called the police station, but no one would believe me. All the pictures I had of you, of me and you, had been erased from my every device. Even your parents turned me away in confusion, childless. No one was even blaming me for your disappearance. That would have been something, proof that you were here before you were gone. You are gone. And I can't tell if I'm crazy and alone, or if this ache for you is proof enough of your existence to never give up looking. But, of course, you're just away for the latter part of today. Tonight, you'll crawl into bed with me. It's just that now, right now, there's no difference between me and her. Me the crazy woman. Feeling lost? Then you're in the right place. I'm Christopher Robinson. And I'm Amanda Knox. And while we're working hard preparing for season two, we've got a special Valentine's Day bonus episode of of Labyrinths. What I read a moment ago was called Interlude, and it's from our book, The Cardio Tesseract. It's a collection of love poems we've written back and forth to each other over the years. We released it on the day we got married. And if you're into love poems, you can find it at knoxrobinson.com or on Amazon. That particular poem was about how even a brief moment of separation from your person can feel like a devastating and permanent loss. Love is a hell of a drug. Today, for this special Valentine's episode, we're going to get a little bit mushy. We'll be talking with Amanda's grandparents who've been in love, gosh, how long is it? Like twice as long as I've been alive. (laughs) Amazing. And since people keep asking me, we're going to start this episode by telling you our own meet cute story. Which, you wanna just jump right in? Yeah, okay. So I have to take you back to my unanchored years. Between 2007 and 2011, I was in prison for a crime I didn't commit. But I was still on trial even after I was released in 2011. So between 2011 and 2015, another four years, I was in limbo I was being hounded by paparazzi. I went back to school, but even there, people were secretly photographing me in class. And I felt like 
I couldn't really trust anyone that I didn't know from my life prior to everything that happened in Italy. I did write a book, and then shortly after my book was published, I started writing under a pseudonym for a small local newspaper. What was your pseudonym? Emil Monte. Which, where'd you get that? So Emil is from Emil and the Detectives, a young adult novel from Germany that was my Oma's favorite book growing up. And Monte was because there was a can of Del Monte peas <laughs> on the counter at the time that I was like, ah, Emil Monte. Okay. So I was doing arts correspondence, and I was writing about local artists and plays and doing book reviews. And that was great because it allowed me to have a sense of connection to my community while I, at the same time, was not making friends, not meeting mm. new people, not going to public events. I just couldn't be a regular human being. I mean, you're facing extradition. You're worried that you might be shipped back to Italy if you get found guilty again. Absolutely. And that anyone who yeah. might potentially want to get close to me might want to do so to sell pictures of me or stories about me. And it felt like there was no way that I could just live a normal, anonymous person life. It just wasn't in the cards for me. And it wasn't until... I was definitively acquitted by the Italian Supreme Court in 2015 that I thought, oh my gosh, I am not being hunted. I'm not being literally hunted down anymore. Do I get to live a life that is more proactive instead of reactive? And shortly after this time, I was given the assignment by the local paper to write a review of a novel written by two local authors, debut novel. It was called War of the Encyclopedists. It was, gosh, how to describe this book? Theoretically, it is the comparison of two very different worlds, deployment in Iraq and academia in Boston, and how those two completely separate worlds are actually echoes of each other. But it's also a wacky and zany adventure, love triangle, fun times, millennials. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, sounds great. And in fact, I wrote a glowing review and I submitted it to the paper and that was going to be the end of it until I walked out of the apartment building that I was living in at the time on Capitol Hill. And I just happened to serendipitously notice a poster in the diner window across the street. And that poster looked like, a, you know, a rock concert poster, but it was for a book reading at the local bookstore of this exact book that I had just reviewed. And I thought, huh, maybe I'll go out for once and check this out. So I had gone all around town posting up flyers for the book launch of my debut novel, which I co-authored with my friend Gavin. And this was my night in the spotlight. I had begged everyone I'd ever met to come to this book reading at Elliott Bay Book Company. It was a big turnout. Yeah, there, there were, were lots of people there. 150 people there or something. There was a lot of people. The room was packed. And I was walking around and thanking people and glad-handing and you know, a little jittery because I was about to go up on stage and do this first ever book reading. And then the whispers start circulating through the crowd. <laughs> Amanda Knox is here. Oh my God, is that Amanda Knox? 
look over there. She's sitting right there. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't Uh. know who Amanda Knox was. I mean, I had heard the name. I knew that something had happened in Italy. I kind of thought that there was maybe someone got pushed out of a window. Like, I really didn't know. When all that stuff was going down, I was in grad school in Boston. I had, you know, my nose deep in Elizabeth Bishop. You wish. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was, my head was in poetry books. And that sort of story, true crime tabloid type story was the furthest thing from my mind. I didn't really care, honestly. So someone introduced me to you. I think we shook hands. And then I got up on stage with Gavin and we did our reading. And it was adorable. I'm like, wow, these are two dudes who are very different. One of them is this like big, bald, military guy with a lisp. And then there's this sort of academic Elton John type with stripes (laughs) carved into his beard. And like, were you wearing bling that night? I might have had some bling on. You might have had some bling on. And I just thought, wow, this is like an adorable bromance. I need to interview these guys. So I asked you for an interview. And a few days later, you invited me over to your apartment where we sort of drank some scotch. And I interviewed you, took some pictures of you guys. Uh, We ended up watching Star Trek and wandering around the neighborhood. And it was a blast. I had a great time hanging out with you and Gavin. And at the end of that, Gavin gave me this big bear hug. And you shook my hand and said, we should be friends. And I meant it. I thought she was cool. I had a good time, but it didn't feel like something weighty and meaningful to me. It was just like, oh, she's cool. Let's let's hang out. We should be friends, which, you know, in Seattle could mean anything because, you know, we're notorious for being like, yeah, let's hang out and then never hanging out. But for me, it did feel weighty and meaningful because... I had taken a big risk in, first of all, going to your book reading in the first place. Lo and behold, there were whispers and all of that. But the really big thing was meeting two people who I didn't know in person at their house and spending time with them. That was not something that I did. That was absolutely out of my realm of possibility. And I was really struck by you saying, you know, we should be friends, like we're peers. Like I could just meet a person in the world who is interested in things that I'm interested in that have nothing to do with my case, who would want to have a friendship with me. That meant a lot to me. So we became friends. And nine months later, we started dating. Yeah. Yeah. And man, things got carried away quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think like against your better judgment, we just kind of moved in together like that. Yeah. And we've been married now almost a year, which feels like forever. Right. But compared to my grandparents, it's an eye blink. I know. If there is any couple we know who are OG lovers... It's Bill and Mildred Knox. And when we thought about doing a Valentine's Day episode, we were like, we got to know their secret. So we trekked over to their tiny cottage in the woods on a very small rural island in the Puget Sound. 
and ask them about love. We could give you lots of reasons to support Labyrinths on Patreon, including ad-free episodes and exclusive patron-only content. But why not hear it direct from a listener? Hi, this is Canon. I'm a big supporter of the Labyrinths Patreon page because the work that these people do is really thoughtful and it's one of my favorite podcasts and Patreon accounts in the world. Visit patreon.com slash Knox Robinson. to high school together in Olympia. That's my grandma, Millie, my dad's mom. I had my eyes on him. Ah. I liked his looks. I was good looking. And I had a car, Model A Ford. That's my grandpa, Bill. I invited him to a Tolo okay. in high school. That's our first day. Ooh, la, la. And I had a long dress on. Yeah, strapless. Evening gown, black velvet, never forget. (laughs) And her hair was cold black at that time. Oh. And I bought uh, the biggest orchid I could find. Which got squashed when we danced. Well, that's a good sign. (laughs) That was the beginning. And then the years went by. And and, I was going to school. And he was going to the university and... I don't know. I didn't meet anyone I wanted to go further with. And he insisted on seeing me. How did he insist? He would call, and then he kept coming over. Didn't you? Yeah. The big problem was that her dad liked me. That's sweet. Yes. Oh, yeah. Was your dad, like, hinting, like, hey? Well, it was kind of a hint when he made a bedroom for me in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> well. No, I was working at Boeing. And going to school. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't have a lot of time to court. And I'd go up after I'd get off work, and, and then I'd have to go out to the university where I was living. And it was just too much. So he made a bedroom down in the basement for me, which we still have the same bed. Is that the same bed? The same bed, dear. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> Bill was studying to be an industrial designer and one of his professors pushed him to apply to the Art Center College of Design in Los Angeles. Which is kind of tough to get in. I don't know why they let me in. Because of your background at the university. university. And they all recommended you or something. And by this time, we were getting pretty friendly. And I went over and I said, hey, I've been accepted. I'm going to Art Center. I'll see you when I get through school. And I said... I'm going to Art Center, too. <laughs> she, said, she said, now You're or You're not never. going without now me. Now or never, all right. So and, now or never. Now, the actual asking of the question, who actually said, will you marry me? I did. He did. Yeah. But only after she was like, you know what you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we got married and left. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you guys been together? Um, 67 years on January the 29th. No. Mm. How has your marriage changed over the years? Have there been different, like, seasons? Like It's always been, we've always been in love. Oh, yeah? That's all I can say, yeah. Okay. 
Before we were married, it was really weird because I didn't feel like I had any say in it. There wasn't anything I could do. It. I was so much in love, mm. I just couldn't... Uh... You were a man possessed. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> they spent a few years in Los Angeles in the mid-50s, Bill in design school and Mildred supporting the two of them by working at an aircraft parts company. And when Bill graduated, he found a job right away, back in Seattle. 5353 West 3rd Street. They partied for a few years, their words, until about 1960. Yeah, and then I said, I want children. (laughs) Yeah. But it wasn't happening. What do you call it when you lose your baby? Miscarriage. I kept having miscarriages. Yeah. Having just had a miscarriage myself this past summer... It's honestly a little shocking to hear how cavalier my grandma sounds about it from this distance. But it's also exactly what I've come to expect from her. So we adopted your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And that And then I right got up. pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and they rolled with it. Bill and Millie, I was learning, have a lot of practice at acceptance. They picked up their toddlers and moved to the island they still call their home. At first, they were able to rent a small cottage until they got kicked out when the house was foreclosed. The owner hadn't been paying the mortgage. Right. He was uh, getting his rent money and gambling with it. He was going oh, to the track. Poor guy. But they rolled with it. Bill called up an old fraternity brother who'd become a lawyer. He said, I'll fix it for you. And I think he charged us $75. And he bought, basically bought the house for us. Oh. And it was, he left $12,950. That was it. Wow. We lucked out and got the place. It was a bit of a wreck. Those were good old days. Kurt attracted a lot of neighbor kids. He is a charismatic person. And they all came to play. And there yeah. used to be a dirt pile out there. Mm. And that was a big attraction. Ah, All the neighbor kids. (laughs) (laughs) All the the neighbor kids. (laughs) And trucks. Good old days. Who needs a fancy Nintendo? (laughs) (laughs) So this gives you some ideas. Before they knew it, the kids were grown. My dad was running track, sporting a mullet, and courting my mom. And Bill and Millie found themselves with an empty nest. I bought a bus. Like a V-Dub bus? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was our favorite car. And I wish I'd never gotten rid of it. Where did you go in your bus? Everywhere. Yeah, Canada, everywhere, but... California, Oregon. Yeah. And we did a lot of hiking and... Fishing. Yep. <laughs> Bill pulls out an old photo. Four men standing on the rocky shoals of a river. Thick forest behind them. A row of fish hanging from a stick in front of them. God, that's in, a big are fish. Are you in this photo? Yeah, I'm the one on the left, I think. That's you, the goofy-looking one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right, that's right. You got it. You got it. The that, goldfish. That is. That was 43 pounds. Wow. That's the biggest fish I ever caught. Mm-hmm. Seven miles up the Queets River. When I think of my grandparents, I think of the Pacific Northwest. It rains, and sometimes you get rained on. That's their attitude. They almost seem like spirit animals for this place. They even ran a lodge up at Lake Quinault on the Olympic Peninsula for a few years, nestled right into the rainforest. 
four cabins and on the lake. How long ago is this? Oh, what decade are we in? Yeah. Little Richard. Mm. Little Richard. Yeah, I was singing the music at that time. Oh. Okay, <laughs> all right. What was on the radio when you were right. cleaning the cabin? <laughs> and who cleaned the cabin? Yeah. 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 Who repaired the cabin? Yeah. Ah. Oh, it's 60 years old, and nobody had ever done anything to it. Hmm. They were falling apart, and the owners were the worst part. But We'd we, still be there if it hadn't been for the owners. Oh, um, I doubt it. I think we would have. But we enjoyed the heck out of it. Oh, man, it was that an experience. Great. Exploring. It sounds like you had a natural sort of division of labor or things like that. Really? Yeah, I've conned her into that for years. Ah. <laughs> Who does what? What's the... It's how, not in my contract. How do you... Uh, what is in your contract? Uh, do the fire. <laughs> you know what? He does the fire too. Men <laughs> do things. I'm the maintenance guy. Oh, he's so good at repairing. Are you? I'm pretty, I'm pretty yeah, you're good. Yeah. yeah, I certainly don't do the repairs. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy. Who's more responsible for the cat? I get the litter box. Ah. Well, he, gets he gets the, the litter box. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, that's funny. What was the most romantic thing you guys did for each other? Racing for the tent with a cloud of black mosquitoes behind us. Oh, no. <laughs> they bit me. <laughs> there were so many mosquitoes. Oh, that was horrible. I think I the can... most, I don't know, romantic. It's... You were romantic. <laughs> <laughs> we're just in love. What? What do you want from us? <laughs> do you, did you ever um, paint anything as a gift for Mildred? Did you ever paint, Grandma? Yes, I did. Did you like do a portrait of her? Yes, I do. Where are those? It's in the trunk. Are they all scandalous? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You know, like, like no, they did in Titanic. No. <laughs> she, she, she wouldn't do it. Now you tried. <laughs> well, the thought crossed my mind. <laughs> but I never did. I never got the chance. But I did a portrait when she was pregnant. Mm. Do you remember that? No, uh -uh. you don't. I don't. And she has trouble remembering some things. Half of my memory's gone. Hmm. Over the years, have there been little habits that are perpetual annoyances? Does he ever leave his socks on the floor kind of thing? Or <laughs> no? You're both perfect around each other? <laughs> I guess we've accepted whatever. Yeah, we well, exactly. Maybe do. that's the secret. And I do some things, and he doesn't, and vice versa. Yeah. And we just roll with it. Mm -hmm. And especially at this age. No, but we blame it on our age. There you go. Ah, that works pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what advice do you have for people who want to be in love all their life? Gosh, that's just automatic. Ah. I, I really, uh, I don't know. We have our days when we don't get along, and it's due to what's going on in the world. We're bored, and we're tired of not, you know, inviting people in. But well, you guys got your shots, so we're first step. Is yeah, the first way. step. I feel really, really good about that. I do, too. Thanks to our friend at the drugstore. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have made it if I'd gotten that flu. Because mm -hmm. I've got all the bad things going on in my lungs. Yeah. COPD and asthma and emphysema and 
chronic bronchitis, and mm. you know, if I had gotten that flu, I would be a goner. Yep. But it's it's okay. We're here. Yeah, you are here. You made it this far. Yeah, I'm losing all my friends. No. Yeah. And I can accept that. I'm yeah. having trouble. With he it. can't. Yeah. Well, Donnie, for instance. But he was in his seventies. Oh, that's young. <laughs> yeah. We were gonna go fishing, Dan. He had a new hole that he said it's full of fish. Easy to get to. And, and he never told gonna... you exactly where it was? No. Ah. I'll never get there anyway. Oh, I'm I sorry think... you're losing your friends. That's yeah. hard. When's your oh. next anniversary? Next January? Next January, yeah. All right. Maybe I should do a naked portrait. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so what do you do on your anniversary? Gamble. Oh. We go to Little Creek. What do you play? Machines. Machines. <laughs> Just, just push the, the button. Or, yeah, yeah, the old okay. days. They were the most fun. Oh, they were. But you not, know it's rigged for the house. Oh, the house absolutely. always wins. That's the problem. It's not, <laughs> I always figure it's not gambling because you're going to lose. So you know before you start that, you know, it's not a gamble. It's for sure. What did I win on that? She cheap, won cheap. 900 bucks Whoa. on a penny machine. And we were trying to lead. And it always happens when you're trying to leave that she'll hit a big one. What did you spend that on? Probably gambling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for hanging out and telling the stories. Yeah. We really... Frozen. We're not that romantic. I don't know that's all right. You know, well, maybe game. that's the secret. Maybe it is. Don't make a big deal of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just be in love. Did you record it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. How funny. <laughs> so why, why would you do that? It's a good question. Yeah, it's hard to explain to an 88-year-old what a podcast is. But I think it's more than that. I think your grandparents are just anchored in the present moment. Yeah, I mean, they can't even find their mementos. Like Grandpa Bill did that painting of Millie <laughs> yeah. when she was pregnant. In the trunk somewhere. Yeah. I really appreciate that attitude. It's not backward-looking. It's also not forward-looking. Like, it mattered then, and life is different now, so different things matter. Like having coffee with your granddaughter. Yeah. So, what are we taking away from this? Certainly not romantic gestures. (laughs) I think it's maybe radical acceptance. Hmm. Like, find the person you can get evicted with, Mm. the person you can have a miscarriage with, or the person you can gamble and lose with (laughs) and still walk away with a smile. Is there anything more romantic than that? I don't know. The way you proposed to me was pretty otherworldly. So, it's true. I am one for big romantic gestures. And it took me a while to plan it. Yeah, I was getting antsy. I almost asked you. (laughs) And I saw that coming and had to somehow reassure you that wheels were in motion without revealing it. I've been planning how I was going to do it for almost a year. 
The problem was we were around each other like 24-7. Yeah. So I barely had any time to get ready. And then finally, I think you had to fly to the East Coast to film an episode of the Scarlet Letter Reports, right? Yeah. yeah. And I had a few days to get everything in place. Yeah, I think it was two or three days. Yeah. So I come back from filming the Scarlet Letter Reports and... I do what I normally do. I live in my pajamas. I think I was working on a wizard cloak at the time. I was sewing a wizard cloak. For Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah. I was sewing for Halloween. And gosh, you sort of took out your phone and started filming me. And you said that you wanted to take a video of me sewing the wizard cloak to show to your mom. So tell me what we got. Uh, well, right now I'm fucking up the hem of this <laughs> cloak, as it, as it were. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Uh, what? What is that? The sound of a missile, really loud. What the fuck is that? There's a crash, and I'm like, oh my god, is North Korea bombing us? Oh my god? What are you doing? So, you... Don't seem worried at all. <laughs> what are you doing? You're just like, oh my goodness, something landed in the backyard. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> scary as fuck. What was that? What the fuck is that? And it was dark out already, and I had no idea. So I follow him. He's like, let's go check out what's happening in the backyard. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I step out, and I peek out from the back door and there is a glowing crater in the backyard that is smoking. <laughs> Lo and behold, something crash landed in the backyard. So we go to investigate. And what did you find? Well, I found a meteorite. And inside this meteorite was a shard of like a slab of labradorite that had been engraved upon. And upon closer examination, there was an inscription, a partial fragment of <laughs> the Galactic Encyclopedia page, basically about our future life together. And it described like all these wonderful endeavors that we did in the future. And at the very end, didn't quite finish because it got cut off. And you had written it in such a way that it was like clear that you were proposing to me. <laughs> but also I was like, I almost didn't want to like believe that it was you proposing to me because I just really needed you to like say, will you marry me? <laughs> well, and then I said, if it's already happened in the future, then I guess that means right now I'm, oh, Will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. And I was like, uh, duh. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm thinking, man, the fog machine timing went off perfectly. And I had that black light hidden in the trees that's shining down on this glowing fake meteorite that I made. And like the E.T. music like surged perfectly, mm. like somehow just in the timing of us approaching that thing. That worked out perfectly. This is all on YouTube if you want to watch it. I had a GoPro hidden in the trees. Just search for Amanda Knox proposal. Right. So that was amazing. I was so impressed. <laughs> I felt so lucky. And of course, that whole sci-fi proposal really just set up a story. 
you know, we could have had any kind of wedding, a Harry Potter wedding, a normal wedding, whatever. But like you already sort of built in a story. What is this galactic encyclopedia? Why is there a meteorite crash landing through space and time to land in the backyard that is causing you to propose to me? Like it already itself had it baked in this story. So we just kind of yes handed that. And that became... And that led to a crazy time travel themed wedding. Yeah, escape room wedding because we were like, well, we can't not have puzzles and <laughs> games at our wedding. So. so when it comes to romance, I guess we're kind of the opposite of your grandparents, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do lots of big romantic gestures. We've always done that. But I don't know. I... I think when it comes to radical acceptance, that's been something I've been having to figure out since I was facing 26 years in prison. That's true. And I guess I had to figure out that when I fell in love with you, because it comes with harassment from the media and from internet trolls. And it's a complicated thing to be your husband. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. A lot of baggage. (laughs) It's worth it. No. And so it goes. So it goes. Is that an appropriate sentiment for Valentine's Day? Yeah. So it goes. (laughs) Why not? So it goes. So it goes. Thanks for joining us for this bonus episode of Labyrinths. Stay tuned for season two. And in two weeks, it'll be our one-year wedding anniversary. And we'll have another special bonus episode for you. We have been tight-lipped about the wedding for the last year, but we're finally going to tell you all about the crazy sci-fi time travel madness. And we're even going to release some photos from the wedding, if you can solve some puzzles with clues hidden in our next bonus episode and in the poems of our book, The Cardio Tesseract. Speaking of, do you want to take us out on another poem? Sure. This is called End Credits. All love poems end with a declaration of unknowability, for naming a thing destroys it. That or they end with something sexy, because the flesh and its movements can never really be captured in words, even fucking beautiful words, like palpate and envelope. So as this love poem ends, Allow me to note the incalculable curve of your buttock and the sage geometry of the philtrum dent above your lip, which tells me a truth I cannot hear name, though it keeps me awake, even in death. Find us on Twitter, at Amanda Knox. At ManUnderBridge. At KnoxRobinson.com, where you can also find links to the Cardio Tesseract. And please subscribe, rate, and review us. And with as much decorum as possible, badger the hell out of your friends and family to listen to Labyrinths. This episode was written by us, edited and sound designed by Chandler Mays, with theme music by Josh Budo Carter. Fun fact, for every hour of Labyrinths you enjoy, we put in dozens of hours researching, outreaching, interviewing, scripting, editing, and audio engineering. What keeps us going? 
coffee. So if you're enjoying Labyrinths, please buy us a coffee. Head over to patreon.com slash Knox Robinson, where you can make a monthly donation. Thanks for getting lost with us.